Welcome to Puro Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by investigative reporter Brian Chasnoff. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, April 25th. This week is the beginning of early voting for the city bond program. And uh, we got a guest on here who's going to talk about that and and various other things that are going on in politics this year. Uh, we're joined by John Austin, who is uh, the chairman of the Bear County Republican Party. Uh, he's got a runoff of his own, which I'm sure we'll talk about before that we're done today. John, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you guys for having having me. Appreciate it. I wanted to start off by talking about the bond, and you know, you've been you've been pretty public about your. Uh, this is the, the largest bond program in the in the city's history, one point two billion dollar uh, bond, which w- voters can decide on. It's kind of coming before them in the form of six ballot propositions. Um, what can you talk a little bit about your opposition or your concerns uh, about the bond? Sure. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm obviously I'm a Republican and uh, I'm a conservative. So, you know, we have certain planks in our party and beliefs that we stand for. And, you know, smaller government, lower taxes and, you know, trying to have less of a burden on people for um, to pay their bills. So it just um, I've just I've been a citizen of San Antonio my whole life, pretty much. So, I mean, I've seen the bonds come and go. So never really gotten into it. But now being in politics, I kind of started looking at it a little bit more because um, I'm not a um, one of those people that just goes along with the crowd for the sake of going along. And so I started looking at what this actually was. And $1.2 billion was the first thing that caught my attention. Um, you know, I know that we have a huge existing debt right now in San Antonio. So we're just going to pile on another, um, you know, one and a half billion dollars on top of that. It just seemed a little crazy and large. So um, I said, that just doesn't sound right. And then when everybody kept saying, quote unquote, we're not going to raise your tax rate, but they weren't really saying we're not going to raise your taxes, um, you know, that kind of got my attention and we decided to stick our nose into it a little bit. And when it's all said and done, it's not really a Republican versus Democrat thing. That's not what we're looking at. I'm here for the citizens. So, uh, you know, it just happened to be a Republican doing it, and we're happy to have the parties wait behind it. But, um, you know, the citizens need to know the truth that it's going to cost you a lot to pay back $1.2 billion. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the argument on the other side, as you know, is that it won't literally raise people's taxes. But as I think many people uh, know, the property taxes for the city of San Antonio, which are about 55.8 cents for $100 per $100 of, of uh property valuation, about a little more than 34 cents goes to just, you know, just the sort of annual core functions of the city. And then about a little more than 21 cents goes to debt service. And so um, I think where you're coming from on this is that if we didn't have, the, didn't approve the bond, um, there would be less debt service that would, that would, uh, the burden would be smaller. And so gradually it would require the city to, um, to reduce that part of, of property taxes. I guess the other thing that I would say is that, as you know, um, because uh, valuations are going up so much right now and the state has a cap requiring local governments to, uh, to have it, basically they, the cap triggers elections, local elections. If uh, revenues go up, 
by by more than three point five percent annually, and that's that's going to be the case this year. I think it's going to require the the city to lower its property tax rates to be able to comply with that state law. So, I guess I would kind of get your take on that. Um, the fact that we're we're not really looking at necessarily a property tax increase because of the bond, and and in fact we're probably uh, going to see property tax rates go down over this next year in the city of San Antonio because state law is almost going to compel uh, ca- uh, council members to do that. W- what's your take on that, John? Right. No, I get it. I mean, that's that makes sense. Um, but whenever you say the property tax rate's not going to, it may go down. They have to make it go down if we have a surplus. So yeah, I see that. But that's not the. I mean, if you're paying, you know, three percent or five percent on what's our current um, debt that we're carrying right now, like $3 billion or something for the city of San Antonio, something like that. I can't remember exactly, but if we're now at 5 billion with this new bond and you know, our rates are at 5% still, that's just so much, much more to pay for. So, you know, I mean, there, like Mira Nuremberg said, there's lots of great things in here for everybody in this bond. So I'm sure everybody can find something that they like about it, but why not, be more responsible. Oh, by the way, we're in a big, we're about to hit a recession and, um, you know, people are having a harder time making their bills. So this is going to make people poorer in my opinion and our opinion, because there's just going to be more debt to carry more payments to be made 40 years of 1.2 billion. It's going to be about three and a half billion when it's said and done. And, um, you know, people say, oh, these rich people that own these houses and apartments, they can afford um, to pay a higher uh, appraised value or tax value, you know, uh, payments. That's true. But if I have a multifamily property or if some guy has a multifamily property and their taxes go up on it, they're going to push that um, that fee down the river to the renters. So basically, we're making the rents higher at some point because, um, you know, Joe, the um, owner of the property, is not going to eat those increases in his valuations and taxes. He's going to push it on down. So it's kind of a creates a never-ending uh, effect of higher fees and higher costs for people, as opposed to the opposite. So I don't know; it just didn't make sense. And if these guys want, hey, fire, we need some fire stations and some police stations. Let's have a small bond that issue that goes directly at that, and we'll we'll pass that because everybody wants that, you know. But it's just so many things in there that's not necessary at this point. Yeah, John, I, I was going to ask you to dig in a little bit and just share with us: Are there any particular projects that you see as as especially um, uh, as as fat that could be cut or or unnecessary? Well, yeah, there's some. I mean, let, let's say $217 billion for new parks. I mean, hey, we all love parks. We I use them as much as I can. And But you can't tell me that everybody in San Antonio goes out to the parks that we currently have. And they're very underused. And so why would we want to build two new parks when we have nine or ten great parks right now? Maybe buff them up a little bit. Um, I was doing an interview the other day, and some lady called in, and she was huffing and puffing. How dare he say we don't need parks? I'm not using a park right now. Well, I didn't say that. I said we have lots of nice parks right now. And at this time in, um, uh, in 2022 in the, in the United States of America, we don't need two new parks in San Antonio for, you know, $217 billion. I mean, a million dollars, excuse me, $217 million. 
scratch that off because we have perfectly good parks right now that nobody, you know, not everybody's using them. So I, I just, that seems a little fat. How about 20 million of public art? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Is there going to be another linen statue like we have downtown that needs to be torn down? Um, you know, so no, I don't think so. Um, and who gets to decide that? Is it going to be a citizen, like, you know, put it up to the vote of the mm-hmm. citizens, what kind of public art we need, or is some, and this, here's my political slant, some liberal um, person that's in uh, Ron Nuremberg's staff decides what their interpretation of public art is, and it doesn't really represent what San Antonio stands for. So just, there's things there. I mean, uh, there's probably good things in there too. I mean, we're not opposed to these. And I mean, to these good projects, um, we need streets and that and so forth, but let's, uh, let's, we don't need a big chunk for public housing. There's another one. Yeah. Um, you know, it makes housing more unaffordable actually than, um, the opposite. So there, there I don't know, it's just, there's lots of stuff in there that's not necessary. Well, John, just, to, just to be clear, um, like, as I mentioned earlier, voters, they're, they're going to be really six separate elections that, that people are going to be voting on with these propositions. So you're, you're encourage you would encourage anyone who's listening or anyone who's been, uh, you know, following you during this uh, election cycle, you would encourage people to vote against all six. Is that right? That's correct. Because you just don't know what, what the, de- the devil's in the details on those six, um, you know, things. So, Let's go back to the drawing board. It's okay to vote no. It's not, the city's not going to come to a crashing halt. They can go back and say, okay, we need those fire stations and police stations. So, okay, here comes a $100 million bond for specifically for fire stations and police stations. We're building three of them. Show me the costs. And, hey, I'll, I'll be first in line to vote for that. Yeah. But, you know, don't kind of rub it in there with everything else. And there's just like, and, and there's no real definition of what the cost is. It just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I'm not against libraries or parks or anything. It's just, I want to talk to you a little bit about about this midterm election cycle that we're in. Um, obviously, you're you're paying closest attention to Bear County and what's happening here. But what's your 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 general sense about um, how the mood of the of voters? How you you think this 2022 uh, midterm election will go? And what do you uh, what do you see as the key Republican message uh, this year? Oh, that's a big one. Um, I I think that it's going to go the Republicans' way this election. There's and and that's not just saying only the Republicans are mad. I think a lot of people are mad. Our economy is in shambles. You know, um, Joe, the president was supposed to be this big unifier, and he's nothing but the opposite. And um, you know, we won't even go into Trump plus or minus for Trump, but it's just the citizens of America. I mean, we're getting overrun at the border. Um, you know, it's just a big fiasco going on. And so people are we're we're seeing a huge ups, uptick of new Republicans in San Antonio. Those traditional Democrat, uh, conservative, Catholic business owners, they, the part their Democrat parties left them and they're joining the Republican Party. They're still a little afraid. Because you know how society is right now attacking Republicans, but um, they're 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 ready to come out and, and vote. So I see a big um, surge for the Republicans, and um, fortunately we have a really a bunch of great candidates. You know, locally for we have such great judge candidates this year for the Republican slate. Um, P- 
people will be proud to vote for him. And even the Democrat citizens should be happy with what we've got on the slate because, you know, the courthouse is a fiasco right now as well from the 2018 election. So uh, we're looking forward to getting that back in order. One of the things I'm curious about um, is, you know, we've had um, at least a couple of prominent local Republicans, people who had long histories in the party. And I'm thinking about former House Speaker Joe Strauss, who um, decided to step down a few years ago. Uh, and more recently, uh, when it comes to this election cycle, uh, State Representative Lyle Larson. Uh, and I think he's been particularly critical of the Republican Party. But I think in the case of both of them, I mean, these are people who, as I said, they had deep backgrounds in the Republican Party. They would probably be, define themselves as supporters of, of business, supporters of low taxes and 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 uh, wanting to have you know lean government. But at the same time, they they talked about the practical value of things like Medicaid expansion and so on. Um, is there still a place in the Republican Party, as far as you see it, for people like Joe Strauss and Lyle Larson? Yeah, I do. And, and it's funny because the party is actually expanding as opposed to constricting, like you're saying. I mean, we do have a... Um, both both parties, Republican and Democrats, have their kind of their outside their outer wing of uh, the party that are really loud and and you know and boisterous. So um, no, the, the the Republicans are are more and more more now than even when Joe Strauss was around. More open to um, other viewpoints. I mean, the loudest banging of the gong might be from some of those um, you know at the edge, but. Um, I mean, we're seeing a lot of uh, new Republicans coming in that would fit right in there with with the Joe Strausses and Lyle Larsons of the world. So, um, I think I think we're in great shape, actually, as opposed as opposed to the opposite. So, John, you you think there's room for those people to thrive in the the current Republican Party? I do, and you know, as, as when it all comes down to it, we look we can look to our plank and and. Um, our main values, and that goes back to small government, lower taxes, uh, freedom of religion, um, you know, stay away from my guns, um, stuff like that. So I think that's more of a rallying cry for everybody that has any kind of common sense in that in today's society. You know, we're see, we're seeing CRT, Black Lives Matter, all these attacks on our our the America's values. So the American values, I mean, that's what the Republican Party stands for. And well, let's I think talk it's, about the, it's bringing more people in than you think. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. I mean, do you think that uh, Trump's return, uh, you know, imminent return um, to the stage, uh, would that create too much pressure um, to I have think, a, more of a I don't know. moderation? Um, I think it's the jury's still out if Trump's going to come back into it. And I don't think that it would... Um, it would create some gnashing of teeth for some people. I mean, I had an event last night. I met some uh, some constituents and, and prospective voters, and and there's this one lady that's probably you know 80 years old, 75. Oh, you know, I love Trump, what he was doing, what his message was, but I hate it when he opened his mouth. <laughs> you know, it's, and some people say that, so that's fine. I understand it, but if you look at um, if his policies were still in place right now. We would not be in a recession. We would not be in a war in Ukraine, and we would not um, have this any illegal aliens come into the country. So, um, 
Americans say, heck, um, if he can come back and bring that, I think they'd be receptive to it. And then they'd say, well, there's people that don't like how Trump speaks or, you know, some of the words he uses, uh, they get it. But the alternative is just, I mean, we're, we're living the alternative and it's bad. Can you can you qualify your that assertion that we would that there would be no war in Ukraine if Trump were president? Like yeah, why? I, why I do you would, believe because that? He wouldn't have. I mean, come on. Let's. Uh, I mean, I don't have all the uh, facts of uh, Hunter Biden's computer handy, but you know, there the Russians, the Ukrainians, and even the Chinese have a a hand in with the Bidens and. Um, and with the Democrats and some Republicans that are like kind of the uh, the swamp or whatever Trump called it. Um, so they cannot live without a war. That that group of people up in D.C., you know, what is it? The uh, the um, the war, con- the war conference or whatever. I mean, they just want it. So if there's not a conflict, if Trump was around, we would never would have got into that spot. I don't think we'd have those. Uh, I mean, he would have probably. Um, you know, uh, Putin was respected Trump because he knew that Trump would say what mm. he was going to do and then he would do it. And there's just no no teeth here for our current um, administration. John, you know, I just uh, for the sake of accuracy, accuracy, you mentioned we wouldn't have a recession now. And 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 I know that you, I think you mentioned earlier that you you believe that that's where we're headed. But that as far as where we, we're at now, I mean, we actually had the 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 greatest number of jobs created uh, over the, you know, from beginning of 2021 to beginning of 2022, which, and I understand that we were coming back from a pandemic. So that skews the numbers, no doubt about it, but we've actually had quite a bit of, of job growth and economic growth. I mean, I think the big problem has been inflation. Um, and along those lines, um, and certainly president Biden's gotten a lot of criticism uh, uh on that front. And some people have cited the American rescue plan act or other things that uh, said that this, these things might've been inflationary, but we also saw recently governor Abbott, uh, sending state troopers to the border, having inspections, we rotting produce resulted from that, which, um, is almost certainly going to result in, um, higher prices at, for produce at, at grocery stores. What do you make of that? And I understand that his justification for it was, you know, dealing with the border uh, issues, but how do, how do you make sense of this when this was a, a something that's clearly uh, was detrimental to businesses and was inflationary and and is 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 going to be felt by by uh, consumers? Yeah, I you know there we very well could feel the pinch from that, and you know I wasn't on his advisory council, or he didn't ask me what to if if I thought that was a good idea or a bad idea, but you know. I mean, that's he he did something that was similar to um, how Trump did things sometimes, and that was you uh, you you make a stand, and then it forces other people to correct their uh, bad habits. So if you notice, um, okay, we're gonna you know pay the price a little bit here, and I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but the Mexican government, and those states that are along the border, they they're correcting some of the things that. Abbott was going after to stop. So I think it's going to be a win when it's all said and done. We may have to like buckle down for a little bit here, uh, possibly. But, um, you know, back to um, our economy, if our oil was flowing out of um, the United States and we didn't have to rely on Saudi Arabia and Venezuela and even Russia for oil, um, we'd be in a lot better shape. So that kind of goes back to the uh, 
the um, economy, it would be a humming along just perfect. I mean, even coming out of the recession, like you said, the jobs got created and it does skew it a lot. But, um, you know, the, the current administration is not helping the economy. They're destroying it. So I don't think Trump would be doing that. John, on a, on a different subject, um, late last year, Trish DeBerry, um, who was the only Republican on the commissioner's court, um, gave up her seat in order to be able to run for um, county judge. And uh, that's that uh, triggered uh, an election in this this 2022 cycle for that precinct three uh, commissioner's court seat. But because she uh, announced this, you know, or resigned the, the, her seat um, fairly late, we uh, it was really too late to have a primary election uh, to to decide who the nominees were going to be for uh, for precinct three. And so uh, I, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the process by which the Bear County Republican Party will select the Republican nominee for precinct three county commissioner, what, what the process will be and, and what the timeline will be for that. Well, um, that's, you know, it's, it's another interesting, fun thing to participate in <laughs> as if you're, you know, part of politics. So, um, you know, it's so what happens is the uh, the way that the state party told us, you know, and explained it to us is the current precinct chairs that are in uh, in office right now, their term ends and my term ends on June 12th, I believe. Mm -hmm. And the new um New, the new chairman or whoever it is, myself or my opponent, um, comes into into power or whatever, and then those precinct chairs come into power, uh, you know, in their position for it's a two year term. So we have to wait until after everybody's installed in their new position to do the um, the selection. And what happens is, since it's precinct three commissioner for commissioner's court, only the precinct three. Um, executive members, the uh, precinct chairs for that um, area can vote for it. So it's not the precinct one, the precinct two and precinct four um, precinct chairs can't vote on this. They can participate and say, hey, we 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 uh, we support this person or that person. But those 100 or 150 or however many we have at the time of um, the newly installed folks uh, for precinct three, those are the ones that do the selection. So yeah. um, we had a similar occurrence um, my first month or two in office. We had, um, you know, I think Judge Oliveres passed away and we had to select a person to be on the ballot um, yeah. for the Republicans and the Democrat Party had to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so we had to convene a meeting as my first meeting, even before we set up our bylaws to have a conference and have a meeting and select a person. So. I think it will be an orderly um, endeavor, um, but it won't happen until after June 13th when everybody gets installed in. And I doubt if it will happen that first day. So I would look for it to happen um, early July would okay. be my guess. And um, we'll, we'll call a, uh, a meeting of the uh, Precinct 3 Precinct Chairs mm -hmm. to a caucus and then um, the prospective um, applicants or the folks vying for that position will have time to to do a speech to the um you know to the folks there and uh then we'll have a vote it'll be a um, private like a, a hidden vote so 
Um, I think we'll start with, you know, five to 10 people. Mm -hmm. We'll have a vote and we'll get down to the top three, have a vote, and then there will be a selection. And then that person will be um, turned into the state secretary of state's office as our um, delegate or as our representative for the Mm -hmm. precinct three commissioners court on the November ballot. It's very interesting. Are you hearing about a lot of possible candidates uh, who will, who will, uh, who will vie for this? I mean, we've, we've heard, um, about people like former councilman Greg Brockhouse, former district attorney Nicola Hood, people like that, possibly having some interest uh, in it. Are, are, do you expect there to be a, a large pool of candidates? I do, and you know we have a really good, um, you know, a good pool to pull from, so to speak. Um, those two p- folks that you mentioned, you know, they're kind, they're Republicans now, so. They have every opportunity and right to put their name into the hat. Um, I think that at this moment we have six people that have put their name into officially into the hat with our office here. Could you name who they um, are? So, or if, I mean, if you, you know, I'm sh- no, it's okay. I'd rather, rather not at okay. this point. But um, needless to say, it's some people you've heard of and some people that are that you never heard of. Okay. Um, and th- what's the beautiful thing is anybody that's in that precinct you know, is eligible to run for it, uh, you know, that lives there, you know. So um, I'm sure we'll have uh, forklift operators and and teachers and so forth, as well as political animals going for it. Well, before, before we wrap things up, I want to ask you one last question. You, as I mentioned at the beginning, you have an election of your own. You've got um, a runoff against, uh, for a county chair against Jeffrey McManus. What is a uh, how is that campaign going? And, and I, I guess I would ask you what, um, as you talk to uh, Republican voters in the county, I mean, what's, what are you, what's the, the main thing you want to get across to them about um, your time um, as county chair and why you think you deserve uh, another term? Well, sure. I basically, I just tell them, you know, look where we started. Everybody knows that um, the Republican party was an embarrassment and we were pretty much in shambles. Um, when I was running for election two years ago. Um, so look where we're at now. Um, we reestablished those great relationships with the state of Texas party, the, um, the governor's office and the RNC. They, they weren't too happy with Bear County Republican party mm-hmm. when I, you know, when I was running for a real, for election. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've done a lot of things. We've gotten, uh, we've doubled the number of precinct chairs that we started with. Um, we've, help these candidates we've got a great selection of candidates so i i just say why why stop now when we're on the right track and we're heading in the right direction and we actually have a chairman that's you know um has common sense and 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 has good values and is not an embarrassment and i want to be successful i want the republican message to get out and you know i think that my opponent you know he has some issues and uh, I just don't think it's a good time to take a big, huge step backwards. Well, John, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. We appreciate it. And uh, for everyone out there listening, hope you're doing well and uh, make sure you get out and vote when you have a chance uh, and take care. Thank you guys.